What's up, revelers and weirdos? And welcome to Scaring Sam. I'm James. And I'm Sam. There is two reasons why we're watching 1980s Terror Train. Slashy summer nights, limiting our choice of movies. (laughs) And of course, because of our queen. All hail, Jamie Lee Curtis. Two years before this film came out, she started with Halloween. Then we have Terror Train. The same year we have Prom Night and also The Fog. (laughs) Busy woman. (laughs) Then one year later, Halloween Part 2. Then massive gap, Halloween H2O in 1998. Then Resurrection. And then Halloween in 2018. Well... Curtis shot this film back-to-back alongside Prom Night in late 1979, both in Canada, hence the snow, and surely at that point alone she started to worry she would be typecast in these slasher movies. After Halloween Part 2, she felt she established herself, and she went on, fortunately, to bigger and brighter things. Her star was elevated, and once she established herself, then she felt inclined to return back to the genre that made her a household name. And talking about Curtis, we actually see her right from the very start of this film. And what the fuck? (laughs) What the fuck was this beginning? Seriously. She's in on the joke, but she doesn't actually know what the joke is. There's a dead body. Right? Okay? In her bed. Yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) To add some context, right, okay. The film starts with a prank on a naive pledge, Kenny, who's duped by the fraternity president, Doc, to head into the bedroom of sorority sister, Elena, played by Curtis, where she hides behind a canopy in the dark room while Kenny unwittingly gets handsy with a rotten corpse. And when he realises his friends, quotation mark, walk in... And laugh at his distress, although Elena seems disgusted by the prank. Of course, she wasn't really in on it. And she has to clean those sheets afterwards. I mean, those dead bodies leave a stain. Kenny flips out, where he gets caught up in the canopy of the bed, I guess, the drapes. Mm -hmm. And then title sequence. Terror Train. Three years later... And a large group of students are celebrating the end of their college years by attending a New Year's Eve costume party on an old train. What a niche setting. (laughs) Seriously. Like, who wouldn't be up for a party on a train? Disco ball included. Well, it's a great setting for a horror movie because it's a confined space. Yeah. You can't escape and everyone is wearing a costume. Mm -hmm. Anyone could be the killer. But it doesn't feel like a typical slasher from the 80s. It's more in the vein of an Agatha Christie mystery. It's Murder on the Orient Express meets Porky's. Porky's? It was a 80s raunchy comedy. Like American (laughs) Pie, only you would not get away with it today. Okay. (laughs) I think, in fact, I know, there's a scene where a bunch of teenage boys are looking for a peepo at women showering. Okay. I think that's a crime nowadays. Yes, to look for a peephole. 
<laughs> Just be glad it's not Glorio. At least they're only looking. Thanks for that image. Anyway, moving on. Out of respect to Jamie Lee Curtis, I did some research for this episode, and I think there's a reason why this feels different to other slasher films from this era. So you have director Roger Sportinswood, and he has an interesting filmography. After Terror Train, he directed Turner and Hooch, mm-hmm. Air America, Stop or My Mum Will Shoot, Tomorrow Never Dies, mm-hmm. Bond film. Yeah, of course. And A Street Cat Named Bob. What? So, known films. Yeah. Far removed from horror. He's not the only guy behind the camera. You've got the cinematography was provided by John Alcott, who's renowned for his work for Stanley Kubrick, such as The Shining. Hmm. Hence why it has such a great visual look to this film. Although dark in places. Yes, very dark. Naturally, these guys behind the camera elevating this film and makes it feel a departure from some of the other trashy slasher films we are going to end up watching. (laughs) Well, I actually enjoyed this, so if the other ones are trashy, then I'm just happy we've seen this one. (laughs) So there's not just raunchy college students and a killer on this train, there's also a magician performing at the party. Of course. Because that's what raunchy college students want, a magician. (laughs) And he's played by none other than David Copperfield himself. And they literally stop the film just so we can see him perform one of his tricks. Magic. (laughs) Not once... Not twice, three times. And not even quick moments either, are they? I know, it's like... Kind of drags for a bit. <laughs> Watch as I move this hoop around my floating assistant. Ooh, ah. You could shave off 30 minutes from this movie if you cut out all these magic performances. It'd probably be just an hour long. <laughs> if we rewind a moment, we've arrived to the train... Now, I'm going to talk kills, because even before they get on the train, the first one's dead. (laughs) Someone gets stabbed. I think his name was Ed. He was one of the original pranksters at start. He's dressed up like Groucho Marx, I think, his little mask. I have no idea. Marx Brothers is this old trio of comedians. Right. Yeah, so he gets killed. And then the killer... Takes his mask. Yeah, steals his costume. Yeah. This becomes a running theme for this killer. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? Kick the body underneath the train? Yeah. And then the train starts going. The conductor looks out the window. Obviously, there's no one there because the body's hid on the track. And squish. Surely, though, the train kind of would have jolted. Wouldn't just... Run over it. I know, but those old trains kind of jolt anyway before they start going. And with snow on the track as well, you're not going to pay attention. But it's not like the train was already moving. It only just started moving. It hadn't got any speed up. So, sorry, that's not very realistic. But yeah, okay, someone gets squished. Nobody pays attention. They wonder where he is later on. But they want to party. Mm-hmm. They want to drink. 
do drugs, I guess. There's no mention of drugs in this film, surprisingly. Was there drugs? Yes. I just thought it was booze. No, they were smoking. Oh, weed. Okay, fine. They want to drink, do drugs, and boink. Do not count weed as drugs. Yeah, okay, I suppose it's the 80s. You don't see people snorting up in these films. And of course, as we know, sex and drugs is a death sentence. Okay, so moving swiftly on to the second kill. Jesus Christ. No, it wasn't. (laughs) The lizard guy, who I've forgotten his name. No idea, because no. I don't think you even see his face. No, no you, you don't. do see his face. After he's dead. Or no, wasn't he a black guy? Yeah, he was. But he didn't die first. No. So, okay, they avoided <laughs> that cliche. Yeah, he gets his head smashed into a toilet mirror. Does that kill him? Because you don't actually see him die, they just find the body later on. Yeah. Well, should I say, the conductor finds the body... The bloody mess as well. Can I also add that the um, killer at this point has found the magical key <laughs> to the toilet? That must be the conductor's key. You must have a spare. Yeah, but where from? I don't know. Magic. Exactly. Magical key. And and that that after that, that is where we get... In my notes, I've just got random magician moment. What is this adding to the film? Oh, and <laughs> Stop everything. Yes. <laughs> because they hired David Copperfield, so you're going to see some real magic on the screen. So before we move on to a th- the third kill, the um, conductor, obviously, he sees the um, the bloody mess in the body, but when he goes to um, show it to his colleague, everything's changed. The blood has been cleaned up. The room is spotless. I guess he's swapped with the body and Mm -hmm. is now in the lizard costume, whatever that costume is, Mm -hmm. lizard man or something. (laughs) And he's pretending he's just had a lot to drink. So he's covering his tracks. The conductor is more clued in on what's happening on the train than the rest for a large part of this film because everyone else is pissed out of their heads. Except Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Not She's at this not... point. No. At this point, Elena is just like chastising Doc and she reveals that she was duped into it. She wasn't aware that there was a dead body in her bed. I don't understand how. But anyway, the third kill. Yes. So we have one of the young ladies, Mitchy, who is... Elena's best friend, they have a moment earlier on in the film, expressing their fondness for each other. Yeah, so she's, she's picked up the the lizard guy, helping him along. He's, yeah. he's a drunkard, apparently. She gets turned on by lizard men, apparently. Yeah, so they're in one of the little um, cabin things. She likes lizard men filling her up. And then slitting her throat. Yeah, she didn't enjoy that part, of course. By the horrendous look on her face, no. (laughs) And this coincides with Doc and Elena's boyfriend, Mo, sweet-talking two questionably drunk women to go back to their compartment. How drunk? They can barely walk. And they are swayed by the line that Doc won an award for working in a gynaecological department that silver-tongued devil. Except 
nothing happens. <laughs> Seriously, nothing happens. They're just hanging out with these girls. Well, it doesn't with Doc. No. No, because the the girl that's um, flirting with Mo kind of gives him the eye, like, go now. <laughs> you must leave. Mo isn't a dirtbag because she tries to undress in front of him and he's like, whoa, 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 this is going to be awkward. Does he just leave her? Because he, he realises Doc has set him up. Doc is basically waiting for Elena to turn up to catch no, Mo in No, he the only realises when she actually knocks on the door. Okay, should I mention this happens in the carriage next to Elena dancing while David Copperfield gives her sex eyes across the room? Magicians creep me out. Name me one female magician. Wait, can I Google it? No, you can't. That's the whole point. <laughs> No, I don't know any of these. Magic attracts single guys who live in their mother's basements. They make up for their social awkwardness with razzle-dazzle, hoping pulling a rabbit out the hat will get their nuts wet. Hmm, lovely. Ooh, what's this that I pulled out of thin air? It's a condom. It's the way they linger in your peripheral vision waiting for you to take notice of them. And then they creep over while shuffling their deck of cards as if it's their nervous tick. And they're always so giddy to impress you. And I hate how they dress. They look like professional snooker players with all those tacky looking waistcoats. I thought you liked a waistcoat. Yeah, nice waistcoats. These are always full of glitter and sparkle. <laughs> And rhinestones. But it's being on stage, isn't it? It's a stage presence thing. But you know they're doing these tricks. Just like in this film with David Copperfield pulling out a rose out of thin air and giving it to Jamie Lee Curtis's Elena. He's hoping to get in her knickers. Whereas the audience are thinking, ooh, maybe he's just a killer and he's trying to get close to her. Maybe it's Kenny. And he's had a makeover. Because <laughs> nobody recognises him. But they all start to suspect it's the magician. No, yeah. he's just creepy and he's trying to get laid. Why did you think he got into magic in the first place? To get laid. Well, guess what? The tacky waistcoats, putting things out of thin air, shuffling your deck of cards, creeping up on people doesn't work, okay? Magic is not sexy. Hey, magic is sexy, but magician magic is not. <laughs> oh, right. You look at Voldemort or Snape or Gandalf and think, hit me with your magic stick. <laughs> I just kind of wanted to sing the song then. Shoot that Patronum at me. Oh, yes. Oh, dear. He went too far. What I'm saying is... Name me a sexy magician. I don't know because I don't really watch magic. They always have to peacock. They always have to wear a hat or have a sew patch underneath their chin. Ooh, I'm different. Ooh, I'm unique. Ooh, I've got magic fingers I can caress over your body. Come, come back to my hotel room. I have a jacuzzi. Okay. 
<laughs> Magicians aren't sexy. That's all I'm saying, okay? Have you been traumatised by a magician or something? Or was it that you tried to be a magician and you couldn't do it? <laughs> I devilled. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> the truth is coming out. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> after another magic trick, Doc finds Moe slumped over beside him and he drags him through the carriages, desperately seeking help from anyone, but they just assume it's another prank from the original prankster himself until he reaches Elena and the conductor and they discover Moe has been stabbed in the chest. Yep. Once again... The conductor, being the voice of reason throughout this entire film, tries to stop the train. And when it does halt, he does the smart thing and he evacuates the entire carriages. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> oh, the look I just got. <laughs> the train doesn't just stop. At this point, this is where the next two deaths come. Doc actually tries to stop the train with the emergency cord and the conductor's like, oh no, wait, it's going to jolt and then nothing happens. Conductor goes all the way down to the front of the train to see where the drivers are at and there's no one there because they're dead. Well, I was confused because do we ever see the bodies? I can't remember. Because later on he comes back to the engine room and then there's a guy there again who helps him stop the train. Yeah, but it's a different one. Okay. But he does stop the train and he does force people out and then he forces all the partygoers to unmask while the rest of the crew search for the killer. And of course, some of the characters don't do what the conductor says. Of course. Of course. Uh, they act like stupid idiots. Elena works out it's Kenny who may be the killer, so her and Doc do the smart thing and investigate the empty dark train all by themselves. Yeah, because Elena actually, um, she mentions that she went to the hospital after the um, prank was done three years before to Kenny. And um, found out that she, he'd actually killed someone. But he's a medical student, so doesn't, yeah. doesn't that just mean he's negligent? He just I don't know. He isn't a good doctor. I don't know, but apparently he went a bit loopy. This is around the point where Doc locks himself and Elena in a bedroom to stay safe. Smart. Although smarter would be to stay out of the train in the first place. <laughs> And then this is where Doc remembers that Kenny always had a fondness for magic. Here's this yearbook I always carry around with me to show you his little poster that has been kept inside of it. <laughs> but Elena selflessly leaves to warn the others, who are outside, I should keep in mind, while Doc stays and instantly gets paranoid he's not alone. Because of course he's not alone. He's not alone. He's locked all the doors... But didn't actually check inside. The killer is hiding in the only place Doc didn't look. Isn't that always the way? It's like when you look for your keys. It's always in the last place you look. Mm-hmm. Ironically, Doc thinks it's Mitchie playing a practical joke on him. Mitchie's dead. He doesn't know that, I don't think. They probably just didn't tell him. Oh, 
Elena did. And then he weren't paying attention. Oh. And he gets decapitated. Yes. And his body is stuffed in the upper compartment. With his head rolling about. And I believe this is when Kenny steals his costume and starts masquerading as this creepy looking monk. The conductor is the real hero here. Not only is he constantly putting himself in harm's way, searching for the killer, he also has to deal with these rowdy drunk piss ants who think they know better than he does. Because this is round the point he discovers the staff member protecting Elena has been impaled with a prop sword. Speaking of the conductor, he is played by Ben Johnson, a veteran character actor who won a supporting actor Oscar in 1971's The Last Picture Show. So he's adding a bit of pedigree to this cast. And he is essentially the outspoken hero of this entire film. Well, he's not silent, is he? He also enjoys a little magic on the side and he likes chatting to everyone. I really don't understand why at this point in the film, and I know, of course, this is a horror cliché, why did they separate Elena when they know... (laughs) The killer's going to go after her. Why is she all on her own? Why do they have a room which is unoccupied while there's partygoers? Exactly. Apparently it hasn't been used for some time and it's all dusty. Mm -hmm. And it takes her a while to turn on that light. And then the killer attacks what they think is Elena. (laughs) But actually, she's set them up. It's a blub though. Yep, well done, Elena, well done. Yep, she has left a decoy and then she stabs him in the shoulder. Of course, he still catches up with her and... Because she doesn't check his body. She doesn't double tap. (sighs) No, she doesn't. Seriously, haven't you learned yet? And this killer is brutal. He smashes her head into a metal door... Pulls out her earring. Mm, yeah. And then tries choking her to death. Mm-hmm. And he's clever too. When Elena traps him in a room, he breaks all the lights so she can't see him while he lunges at her with this metal pole. Oh, yeah. And I do love how theatrical this killer is. Wearing the most garish of costumes. He's... Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't even remember seeing this... Um costume about it's just some random oh yeah at the end yeah well firstly what well, he dresses in that groucho marx costume and then he's the lizard man mm-hmm. and then does he dress up as the creepy monk i'm not sure at one point i think he wears a conductor's hat as well with the groucho marx mask unless that was just the poster i don't know <laughs> when he does lunge at elena She stabs him in the face with a paper spike and kicks him off the moving train. Naturally, he's outside holding on for dear life while everyone else breathes a sigh of relief. And Elena is left unattended again. Of course. The whole train is dark as hell. No one switches any lights on in this entire film. (laughs) Even when a friend encourages her to rejoin the group... You'd be mistaken, it's the killer again approaching her, just for a split second. Because mm-hmm. you cannot see anything. No. 
And then the next time we see Elena, she's alone again, investigating the magician's compartment, the killer's lair of all places, and of course, the prime suspect, the magician, that horny little scamp, is found filled with swords. The killer, Kenny, it's always been Kenny, there's no real red herrings, and Kenny has been hiding in plain sight this whole time. He was the sexy assistant. Right, can I make a point here that when the assistant appeared out of nowhere, I think the magician was doing some kind of act where... Oh, is it when he, when he disappears and in his place it's the magician's assistant? Yeah, but at that point I was like, she looks really weird. Because in the first part of the film, it was actually a woman. And in this part, I was like, mm, there's something weird going on. Did they superimpose the actor's head onto her body? Because it... It didn't look right. It didn't it? look right. It looked like... It looked like she the, looked too tall. It looked like the Uncanny Valley kind of thing. It didn't look like a person, No. Really. It was really weird. <laughs> Although, you've got to admit... He's got a great figure on him for a dude. Mm. And he killed the magician as well because he was better than him. Oh, yeah. Not only was he getting revenge for being pranked on, he was getting revenge because he was being overlooked by this pathetic excuse for a magician compared to him. For some reason, he forces Elena to kiss him and for some reason, this triggers him to lose his shit again. Oh, yeah. Is Elena such a bad kisser, Kenny? Really? Does she have bad breath? <laughs> and while he's spiralling out of control, the conductor steps in, whacks him with a coal shovel, and he flies out of the train, hurtling towards the snow-covered river, and for a moment, for a split second, you think, oh, he's going to make it. He's going to dive headfirst into the river and that sets up a sequel. Mm-hmm. Nope. He hits the river bank hard. There's an almighty fud and then his lifeless body is taken down the river. No sequel for you, Kenny. The end. The end. Literally the end. It was very drastic. And then credits. By the looks of it, I think we're going to expect these 80 slashes end abruptly. Hmm. There's no character development at the end of this. No resolution. You don't see how this has affected the survivors. No. Killer's dead. End. I guess, though, it's... In music terms, this is a clean finish rather than a fade out. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What? You've got some songs that just keep on going and they fade them out and the volume goes down. And these films would rather burn out than fade away. Yeah. Well, no, it's just dush, done. But surely, if you were sitting in the cinema watching this for the first time, you must see the credits start to run. You're like, oh, okay. okay. It's finished. I can go to the toilet then. Okay, don't need to hold yeah. it in any longer. Oh, we're going to beat traffic. Hey. Everybody loves a cliche. The gang split up? Yes. Yeah? All the time. Did they? Yes. 
but they were unaware because they weren't investigating because they were completely out of the loop that killer was on board at yeah, the time of them never, splitting up. None. They were hardly ever all together at the same time. Okay, so on a technicality, they did split up. Mm-hmm. The power walking killer? No. We don't actually see... Most of the time you don't actually see him kill. You just see the murder after the fact. Yeah. Okay. Definitely ignoring the elder's warning. Mm-hmm. The conductor. Yeah, because yeah, at the beginning, he's having a discussion with um, the lady on the station and says something like, someone could get hurt because there's no radio and the kids are all drunk. He mentions it at that point, doesn't he? Who's the final girl? Of course, it's Jamie Lee Curtis. Slut, jock, nerd, virgin. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Slut, Michi. Jock, doc, nerd, mo, virgin, Elena. Sex is a death sentence, so is drugs. Yes. Oh, and the biggest one, of course, in this film, investigating in the dark. Oh, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> We could say that's the biggest cliche in this entire film because most time we can't see what's going on. Yeah, there were a few times I was like, I can't actually see what's happening. Like, you could hear things. Okay, so Terror Train. Pretty decent for a slash film. Not what I was expecting. Something a bit different, to be honest. Yeah, do you know what? Just taking it out of, like, horror genre, I actually enjoyed the film. And now we know who was behind the camera, and of course who was in front of it, you can understand why it's a step up from some of the other trash we are going to unwittingly, well not unwittingly, unwittingly for Sam, going to experience during the summer. I feel like this is going to be a long summer. On that bombshell, shall we wrap it up? We've been your hosts. Who? Me? (laughs) I'm Sam. And I'm James. And this was... Scaring Sam. We're not really scaring Sam with these films. But I promise you, dear, sweet listeners, once this season is over, I am coming down hard on Sam. That sounded questionable. (laughs) I am going to double down... On the terror I am going to bestow upon Sam leading up to Halloween, I am going to show you the absolute scariest horror mm. films I can get my hands on. Oh, great. My dear, sweet, innocent fiance. Innocent? <laughs> but rest assured, afterwards you will be battle ready hardened, maybe a little bit traumatised. I don't know, but Mm. it's called Scaring Sam. I thought I was getting away with it. I am being too kind to you right now during Slashy Summer Nights. I hope you understand that. This is a treat. This is a gift I'm giving you. Oh. Thank you. Stay safe out there tonight. Stay safe.